Hey, Nick. Hey, Teddy. Do you remember DC Talk? Teddy, did you forget? We, We talked about them already. But Nick, there's more. Oh, God. There's more? Welcome to Oh God, I Forgot About That, the podcast that explores artifacts from turn of the century Christian culture. Today, we're introducing Oh God, There's More, a quick segment where we chat about things that didn't quite fit into our other episodes. This is so exciting. Our first mini episode. Yeah, I love this idea. We've been talking about this for a while, and I'm really happy that we're going to get a chance to uh, discuss new things together or I guess return to some things. Yeah, absolutely. I think that what we're what we're we're seeing this will be is a time where we can kind of pick up something that we just didn't have time to really cover in a prior episode. Probably most of the time it'll end up being like a song from an artist that we covered or, you know, a particular film or something. Just those sort of subcategories of things that we I mean, we could talk forever about everything. So this kind of just (laughs) leaves a little bit more. (laughs) Yeah, I think we've had every single episode, a conversation after the fact, like, I felt good about that, but I missed this and I wanted to talk about this. And why didn't we say that? And or you, you know, we've talked about something the other person could have or should have said. And we wanted to touch base about. So this is just going to be a little bit of filler here and there. Yeah. To help us keep up with all the things we want to say and keep putting out good conversations for you all. Totally. So today, our first mini episode we are chatting about the song What If I Stumble from our beloved band DC Talk. Do yeah, you so remember this song, Nick? I do remember this song. When you first mentioned it, it didn't click as strong as some of the other DC Talk songs that we might mention or that we have mentioned in that episode. It took me a second, but as soon as I hit play, I was right back in the middle of this song. Mm-hmm. I think it was a more somber note. Yes. On the album, right? Yeah. Like everything else is rocking out. And this is like their, I don't want to call it a power ballad. That's not quite what it is. <laughs> but it's in that vein of like, we're rocking, but we're doing it solemnly. Right. Yeah. I love that description. So, What If I Stumble was the third radio single from the group's fourth album, Jesus Freak. It was a number one song on the Christian radio for about two months. And the song has also been kind of redone um, numerous other times on different DC Talk albums in the future. We covered the song and phenomenon that is Jesus Freak extensively in our very first episode. Oh, so long ago. Go and listen to that if you're a fan of DC Talk and you want to hear a much more in-depth analysis. (laughs) (laughs) My God, was it (laughs) in-depth. That was when we were in our, what, almost like over two hours. Yeah, we were at about two hours of that. That's our longest episode. It is also, ironically, our most listened to episode. I'm giving it just the fact that it's the first episode. That's probably why. Okay. Yeah. So anyway, we covered in that very first episode, which again, you should go listen to, even if just for memory's sake, uh, we extensively covered Jesus Freak, but we did not have time to get to all of the songs on that album. And we were also very much the point of that episode, at least from what I recall, was very much also to unpack the whole phenomenon of Jesus Freak beyond just the song. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
So we didn't get a chance to talk about what if I stumble, which is why I like jumped at this opportunity to talk about in the mini episode, because it was actually one of my favorites as a kid. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you are spot on. I think you use the word somber. It's absolutely distinctly more somber than any of the other songs on the album. It's musical and quiet. It's considerably more melancholy in tone. Unlike Jesus Freak, it has... It's a much more sadder, reflective style and arguably not as like victorious either. I don't think that mm. I think it does a good job articulating a particular struggle Christians have, but it's not nearly as empowering by the end as some of the other songs on that album are. Interesting. So my sort of mini thesis about this is that the song gives voice to the anxiety believers felt to live a godly life that would point non-believers to Christ. And it's also an artifact that fits within to like this larger culture that was continuously perpetuating and justifying that anxiety. Interesting. I really like that. I think we've talked a lot about the like impulse to uh, noun be a witness. Right. Mm -hmm. But I, I don't think we have really talked about the kinds of unique anxiety that mm -hmm. that produced aside from like performance error styles of sin. Right. Or or uh, um, misaction. Mm -hmm. um, there was this and I don't want to steal your thunder here, but there was this like impetus that if we failed, if we made a mistake. It wasn't just that we were doing something to tarnish our own souls. Mm. It was that we were potentially jeopardizing the souls of others. Yeah. Yep. Because we were being a poor witness. Yep. The souls of others and also misrepresenting or tarnishing the name of all of Christianity, which is yeah. such an oppressive group complex, like for goodness sakes. But so. Let's read, actually, could you read the chorus? So this is just what's sung over and over again. Um, yeah. Again, it's more somber, slow. Take away all the rockiness that is Jesus freak when you when you hear these lyrics. Yeah, it's almost uh, ethereal. It goes back to that ethereal mode that they did in a couple of their songs we discussed. I think it's Kevin Mack singing, too, which his voice just like really adds. I mean, his voice caters to that particular style. Yeah, really for sure. Well. Yeah. What if I stumble? What if I fall? What if I lose my step and I make fools of us all? Will the love continue when my walk becomes a crawl? What if I stumble and what if I fall? What do you think of that? It latches on to those two big concerns, those two anxieties, right? The what if I what if I do something to make everybody, every Christian look ridiculous what mm -hmm. if i do something that harms another person that like keeps them out of heaven or puts them in hell because of my actions yeah and then that follow-up immediately will the love continue when my walk becomes a crawl like it's also the like staying power of god's love right like you have to do these good things to stay in the purview of god's love there's always the tension and the, you know, people having the the conversation about can you can you ever fall out of God's love or God will always love you no matter what. But oh, right. Yeah, even the one. social aspect of God's love. Right. Mm -hmm. The love of the church is a surrogate for God's love. 
Mm-hmm. Right. If I make a mistake, is my church still going to accept me? Are my parents still going to accept me? Are these people who are in my friend group and call themselves Christians, are they still going to love me if I'm stumbling, if I'm falling, if I'm knocked prone to use a D&D phrase? <laughs> I have no idea what that means, but that's OK. It's OK. Like um, two other people loved it. <laughs> What's interesting about this song, too, is that it expresses the anxiety of I need to be a witness. And it all it's also kind of brilliant because in the same breath, it also continues to confirm the belief that the church has at the time, maybe still has, that the world is in fact watching with bated breath, you know, at our actions at or was our actions, whatever. I yeah. still say how I still use the collective phrase our and we, which yeah. is a lot to unpack there. Um <laughs> So the one a phrase right before the chorus in the earlier part of the song is, I see the trust in their eyes, though the sky is falling. They need your love in their lives. Compromise is calling. See the trust in their eyes. They need God's love in their life. On one hand, sweet. On the other, so patronizing. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. It's, it's invoking that like trope that the only moral that a non-believer could have is the one that they acquire by watching the Christian mm-hmm. or that or that non-believers have no sense of answer except for that which Christians give. Mm-hmm. And even if they vocally deny it or vocally decry it, it still comes back to they're getting it from us, us, the Christians, right? Yes, that they're getting it from us, that they're that they're curious about us. That they're actually kind of relentlessly curious, mm-hmm. actually, which it may, in some ways it makes sense because in order to justify the anxiety, you actually have to have a population on the other side that gives a shit. And so <laughs> that's, it's really important to this narrative. So there's this narrative that Christians behavior has cosmic consequences, right? And that sure. we are responsible for unbelievers lack of faith. And then the other part of that narrative is that they are somehow on an unconscious level aware we have something that they do not and mm-hmm. are relentlessly watching us and sort of taking inventory of every action. We need both of in order for the one to like be justified, that other belief has to exist. It's a weird inverted voyeurism, isn't it? It kind of is. Yeah. Right. Like I can only do it when you're watching. <laughs> right. Yeah, you've set up this like logical space, this logical identity that requires you to be the center of attention, but you don't really want it, but you need it. So the final thing I want to talk about briefly is that before the song even begins, a voice comes on and says something. And it's not one of the men of DC Talk. It's someone named Brennan Manning, who was the author of Ragamuffin Gospel, a book we should probably talk about. (laughs) It is on the list. (laughs) Yeah. So before the song even starts, they have Brennan Manning come in and say these few sentences that kind of set the tone. Could you read those, Nick? The greatest single cause of atheism today is Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips and deny him with their lifestyle. That is what an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. The greatest single cause of atheism. Wow, we don't have any words like padding this at all. The single greatest cause of atheism today is Christians. The insane guilt trip that that is attached to that. Right. Like, oh, these people that you don't like, they're your fault. Right. You you made them again. It's 
weirdly egocentric. It is. But also self-flagellating. Yes. And not to go down a weird theological, you know, avenue here, but in some ways it also feels a little bit like it's putting a lot of weight into onto people rather than for a religion that so much emphasizes relationship with Christ. It's putting a lot of weight onto how other people act. It was something that I always thought was like, you know, when people would say, oh, it's the church's fault. They hurt you. That's why you're you're an unbeliever now. It's like, no, you're kind of discrediting, actually, like really extensive searching that I did. And, uh, you know, I mean, doesn't it feel a little reductive? Like, oh, yeah. It's all about just how people are acting. That's that's what faith is, is that you could be turned off by Christ. Christ isn't powerful enough to overcome a bad reputation. You're just going to be turned off by a whole faith and lifestyle because some people act shitty. Yeah, this smacks of the kind of thing that really shapes me every time I hear it from Christians. It's that like, well, we don't want you making decisions out of your anger. Mm, or yeah. oh listen don't throw the baby out with the bathwater just because you know there's one thing that bothers you you know mm -hmm. you can still you are grossly yeah misrepresenting and misunderstanding my problems with this belief system right belief <laughs> system not just a people yeah. a belief system I yeah. think that that belief system enables people to be shitty. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I'm not mad at the shitty people. Not all of them. Some of them I am. Not <laughs> mad at all the shitty people because of their actions necessarily. And I'm not making grandiose philosophical life altering decisions because someone was mean to me once. Right. I, I'm like, this is so disrespectful. Mm -hmm. to other people as sentient yes yes like, this is this is a weird kind of solipsism right like yeah. this is i am the only thing that exists other people only exist in relationship to me yeah it's it feels egocentric for a lack of better words i think that this could maybe produce some good works if we want to say you know in terms of it probably does this perspective probably led a lot of people leads a lot of people to try to live better and i suppose there's something to be said for that but man i listen to this song and it makes me feel sad it makes mm -hmm. me feel like ugh, i do not miss this weight yes <laughs> absolutely can i um quote a, a section that comes a little bit later you didn't have yeah. it on the docket but i want to yeah, bring sure. it in because i think it's relevant this is about a third of the way through the uh the song father please forgive me for i cannot compose the fear that lives within me or the rate at which it grows if struggle has a purpose on the narrow road you carved why do i dread my trespasses will leave a deadly scar see the fear in my eyes it, that mm -hmm. like you said that weight it's just again even the like trepidation to act because you might make an error mm -hmm. is that the thing being evaded? there's even like a, a, a notice to that fear i think it's just unfortunately all too telling of what the hyper fixation with one's individual performance mm -hmm. does to the psyche and and even like to your ability to act meaningfully in the world 
Right. It's entirely inscribed by this fear. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Sorry, that wasn't too happy. Yeah. <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like in comparison to Jesus Freak, which although obviously has its problems, it just is so much more like empowering, I guess is the word I would use. Yeah. I feel like when I think of this song, I think of it as it's a song that both justifies and gives voice to this really pervasive anxiety in the church at the time. It gives voice to it. And it also, I mean, again, perpetuates it. It legitimizes it, you know, and says mm-hmm. that basically almost being a Christian, this is something you should be feeling. Yeah, that's the way I see it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, thank you all for listening to our little addendum episode. Uh, Hopefully these will be something you enjoy. Please let us know on social media, Instagram, Facebook. Um, We'd love to hear your thoughts. Maybe there are some things from episodes that we've discussed in the past that you would like to hear us return to in these little mini moments. Uh, Thanks so much and be ready for a full episode to come out uh, in the coming weeks. 